Now the epistle for this, the Feast of the Ascension of our Lord, is taken from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. The former treatise I made, O Theophilus, of all things which Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day on which giving commandments by the Holy Ghost to the apostles whom he had chosen, he was taken up, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many proofs, for forty days appearing to them and speaking of the kingdom of God. And eating together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but should wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard, saith he, by my mouth. For John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. They therefore, who were come together, asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? <coughs> but he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or moments which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had said these things, while they looked on, he was raised up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were beholding him going up to heaven, behold, two men stood by them in white garments, who also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you looking up to heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come as you have seen him going into heaven. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. The Gospel is taken from that according to St. Mark, chapter 16, verses 14 to 20. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. At that time, as the eleven were at table, Jesus appeared to them, and he upbraided them with their incredulity and hardness of heart because they did not believe them who had seen him after he was risen again. And he said to them, Go ye into the whole world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. And the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God. But they going forth preached everywhere, the Lord working with all, and confirming the word with signs that followed. Thus far, the words of today's Holy Gospel. Please be seated. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, the server just extinguished the Paschal candle for the last time. <clears throat> that signals the end of the 
this 40-day period between our Lord's resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And the flame of the paschal candle during this time signified the presence of our risen Lord amongst us, even as, in a sense, an extension of the sanctuary light. When you walk in the church, you see that light burning and you you know that it represents the fact that our Lord is present here in the Blessed Sacrament. So the light of the Paschal Candle in a very special way represents the risen Lord present. When you are baptized, you receive a burning candle. The whiteness of the wax signifies the purity of the soul, of the one who holds it, either himself or through his godparents. But the flame represents the life of grace and the presence of God living within the soul. So that flame now is extinguished, not because our Lord is no longer with us, but he is with us in the Holy Eucharist. He's with us in this sacramental way. Even as the, our Lord remained with his apostles, but they could no longer see him or hear his voice or touch his hand or feel the touch of his hand healing, healing them or holding Peter out of the stormy sea. That was taken away from them. And thus our Lord's words were fulfilled when he told them at the Last Supper that he would be taken from them. And he would be going from them and they would grieve they would miss him terribly. They had lost him when he was taken from the Garden of Gethsemane to be put to death. And they would, as it were, have to relive that loss, although now they knew that the Lord who had been taken from them still lived. Our Lord gave them a command. He gave them the command to go into the whole world and preach the gospel. The gospel of St. Mark, which is really, as you know, the gospel of St. Peter, who preached this gospel in Rome. The gospel tells us that our Lord sent them out to preach the gospel to every creature. That is the mission that our Lord gave them here. <clears throat> that the entire world should hear of the coming of the Savior and that Christ was born and lived and died a sacrificial death and has risen from the dead. Now, you might read other gospel accounts that talk about going into the whole world and preach the gospel to all nations, and that would be a preaching the gospel to people. But this is an interesting statement here in this gospel of St. Peter, St. Mark, to preach the gospel to every creature. You see, when our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, every creature was affected by that sin. And all of nature, all of nature turns against us. We no longer had that power, that control over the natural world that God had given to Adam and Eve when he created them. It is as though in losing control of themselves and their own souls and in turning against their creator, 
all of nature, but turn against them also and see them as criminals, as reprobates, as those condemned to live hard lives and die even harder deaths and be consigned to the flames of hell. So when our Lord sends out his apostles, he sends them to proclaim the gospel to all creation, that now the Savior has come and the power of sin has been overcome. Our Lord sent his apostles out to preach the gospel, and he said those who are faithful, those who believe the gospel and receive the sacraments, are sanctified, they will be saved. But he says that those who will not receive the faith and will not believe in him, they will be condemned. See how, see how important our faith is, our faith in Christ. Not just any faith as a Martin Luther or a John Calvin or a Zwingli or any of them would imagine it, not as any reformer or modernist of our own day would like to sort of remake Christ according to his own imagination. No, the true Christ and his true teaching who is kept in the church and whose faith is kept in the souls of the faithful by the power of the Holy Ghost. Our Lord promised this at the Last Supper. And so he also, at this moment, recorded in the Gospel, he also promises the Spirit of Truth who will come and not teach new doctrines. He's not the Spirit of Surprises of Francis. <clears throat> this is the Spirit of Truth who our Lord says will bring to our minds whatever he himself has taught us. So the Holy Ghost does not come in order to, in a sense, supersede Christ or even take the place of Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost comes to confirm us in our faith in Jesus Christ and in the faith taught to us by Jesus Christ so that we would never lose it by inventing a new faith more acceptable to us, more acceptable to the world, and in doing so, lose the faith in Christ or even reject the faith in Christ. That can happen. It has happened to many, many thousands, hundreds, thousands, millions of souls in the history of the world who've lost their faith, rejected the faith to accept what St. Peter refers to as fables, modern fables, modernism. My dear faithful, we have our task, first of all, in this life, is to know who our Savior is, is to know the God, the Father who sent him. It is through this Savior, Jesus Christ, that we know the Father and we know the Holy Ghost. We know who God is, and only in knowing who God is can we know who our Creator is, and only knowing who our Creator is can we know who we are, because we are created in his image and by grace in his likeness. Remember, St. James said, 
looking into the law of God is like looking into a mirror. You can see yourself for who you really are, not as the world sees you or not as you fancy you are, but as you really are in the eyes of God. And that's the one thing that matters, really. To know God by faith and in the reflection of yourself in that faith to know who you are. And in that faith, you find hope. And in that faith and that hope, you find charity, divine love. <clears throat> These are the three things that save souls. <clears throat> Without them, no soul will be saved. With them, no soul can be lost. St. Uh, Mark talks about healing those who are sick, not being sickened by poison oneself. And in other places, St. Paul talks about the gift of prophecy and the gift of speaking in tongues. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, St. Paul talks about these things. <clears throat> but he makes it very clear that these are not the essence of the faith. These are not the essence of the, of the Catholic religion, these things. He says these are signs of divine power, and they're signs that what is being preached is from God. So St. Gregory the Great said that these signs of speaking in tongues and prophecy and so on, they are not given for the benefit of the one who does them, because the one who does these things already has faith. He already believes. He doesn't need these signs to clear the objections away for the person can to receive faith for the first time. The person who believes and therefore is given the powers of prophecy and speaking in tongues and other things, that, that person doesn't need these signs in order to enable him to believe. These signs are given for unbelievers. They're given for those who don't have faith to make them understand that what is being preached has the endorsement of God and the authority of God behind it. <clears throat> so these things are not of the essence of faith. St. Paul, <clears throat> in that passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, finishes by saying, I will show you the greater gifts. And then we read in 1 Corinthians 13 about faith and hope and charity. And St. Paul ends that brief chapter 13 by saying, the greatest of these is charity. There you have the essence of the spiritual life, of the soul. <clears throat> this is what our Lord sent the apostles out to bring to the world, to preach to the world. This, the justification of the soul by sin the justification of, this, of the soul by the power of Christ's sacrifice. The sanctification of the soul by grace, by the power of Christ's sacrifice. And ultimately, the spiritual life begun here on earth, brought to completion and fruition in eternity in everlasting life. And the love of God. 
That's the essence of the faith. But notice faith is absolutely necessary. It is the beginning. We must pray to God for the grace of a strong faith. The devil wants to destroy the life of God in the soul, and he wants to destroy it at the very root. And the root of that life of God in the soul is faith. And the devil wants to destroy the faith in every single soul. That means your soul. That means my soul. And the devil has had a chance to study each and every one of us And he does study each and every one of us, not out of love, but out of hatred. Not not out of benevolence, because he wishes us well. The devil studies each and every one of us out of malice, as he wants to find the weakness whereby he can destroy faith. He wants to find the way that he can extinguish faith in every soul. And he knows that each soul has its weaknesses. He looks for those to find the way to destroy faith, to destroy faith. Count on it. That's what he does. His whole existence now is about that. And he will try to find a way to get to your faith and to extinguish it, whether he will use your pride or your sensuality, whether he'll use your hurt feelings or your anger or laziness, he'll find a way. If he can. And you must pray for a strong faith. You must nurture your faith. You must feed your faith. You nurture your faith. By the grace of God. By giving it the time and effort and the attention that it deserves. That it needs. Prayer from God. It needs grace. Study. Yes. Learning. Yes. Good example. Yes. All of these things. Through the sacraments, yes. There you have the formula for developing in yourself and your loved ones a strong faith. And that faith alone is the beginning. It's not the end, it's the beginning of the spiritual life that must then engender in your heart a tremendous hope, a great hope in the promises that this Lord has made your faith in him and what he's taught you and what he's done for you then should give birth to a great hope in you. And that hope in you then should encourage in you a great love for him, a thankfulness of his love for you. Here you have the essence of the spiritual life. It is this for which our Lord set out his apostles. It is this for which our Lord gives himself daily on the altar that he may live within your heart and soul in faith and hope and charity and grace. Pray for a strong, for a powerful faith.
an invincible faith that is protected, well, well fortified against the devil's efforts to find a way to breach the walls to destroy it. Ask our Lord for his help in this. Turn to Our Lady. As you know, there was a day on this earth when there was only one person who still believed that one woman of all mankind still believed even as she received the body of the Savior, stiff and lifeless and covered with dirt and grime and blood and spit, and it was placed in her arms, she still believed. Yet even as she carried that corpse to the tomb with the help of John and some of the others and laid that body in the tomb, she still believed. And even as they rolled the stone across the opening of that tomb and sealed it tightly and saw the guards arrived, she still believed. And this, our Blessed Mother, really is Our Lady of Faith. And so we should also ask her, who knew what it was to be the only one who still maintained the faith like a lone sanctuary lamp in the whole world, we should ask her to obtain for us a stronger faith, and not only for ourselves but for our loved ones too, whose faith is challenged, whose faith is wavering, whose faith might be appear to be extinguished. We should pray to Our Lady of Faith to rekindle the faith in their souls. Ask our Lord that you will take to heart the meaning of faith, the importance of the faith, the grace of faith, and that your souls be burning always at that, as that sanctuary lamp representing there faithfully the grace of Christ within you. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.